This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 208, recorded on April 2nd, which I wish would have been April 1st, but 2015. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home news reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at jcollison, or now you can call in those questions. We've got a couple of those tonight, so you guys are picking it up. That's nice. Keep doing it. 402. Stop the car. Get a pen out. 402-478-8450. Our friend uh, uh, Megabyte called back. Uh, Mega, I think is just his first name, right? Mega. Bite. He called back, so he's going to make the show, and uh, we've got some good stuff going on tonight. Of course, the Average Guy TV is powered by Maple Grove Partners, uh, which is really Christian. He's he is the back end of all the things that we do here. You can, uh, if you're looking for high speed hosting, uh, maybe you want to start a blog, maybe you want to do your own podcast. He does that as well. For more information, of course, visit maplegrovepartners.com. We also want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio. First week we're doing this, we're broadcasting live on terrestrial radio, which is really cool. So. Sweet. In, uh, in Grafton, West Virginia, right now, we are broadcasting over the air into people's cars on their radios. Is it Mike? Is that right? That is that's, correct. That's possible, right? Yeah, so, and it's also uh, it's restreamed throughout the week during the morning drive. So I think every day during the week, uh, 8 a.m. to 9 or sometime around there, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure Roger will correct us, but yeah, we also stream on Terrestrial Radio during the week as well. So that's right. So we we are on we are on radio. Who would have thought? And of course that that happens because uh, Mike Weger had that relationship with WLM, joined us, and I, we just said, hey, can we continue to do that with Home Gadget Geeks? And uh, Roger said yes. So we're on there as well. And now Home Gadget Geeks, I shouldn't say now, but Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. If you haven't been over to the Geeks Network in a while, Dave's getting ready to add a couple new shows, including Mike's show called the called Open Mic Night. It's an Apple-based pro, uh, podcast, and uh, if that if you're into the Apple stuff and you want to talk about iPhones and Macs and all that other stuff, uh, you want to head over there Tuesday night, 7 p.m. He is live. Uh, oh, I always got I always got O M N Podcast dot com. Slash live. For the it last should show. be easy. OMN, because that's in the order in the R. Yep, exactly. Right? O- OMN. And, of course, he's over there Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central as well. Uh, check out all the new podcasts that are coming out of thegeeksnetwork.com. All right, we've got a great show tonight. I've got Nathaniel and Kevin with me. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. And, Nathaniel, good to have you back as well. Thank you. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a little while, and appreciate. We'll catch up with you a little bit on what's been going on with you here towards the end of the show. I want to get right into the content, uh, working harder to to do that for our listeners. Just uh, dig in a little bit and get right to the content. So let's do that. Indeed, one of the things I want to do. Last week we talked about the Kingston Five and One, and uh, that was a, a device that uh, we did a review on. If you want to head out to theaverageguy.tv and look in the review section, you'll see the, the post that we did out there. A really nice device. Mike Weger actually has that in his hands now. We met the other day, and uh, and I gave it to him. So Mike's mm-hmm. showing that in the, in the hold on, let me bring you up. There you go. So all the same equipment. That's the beauty of him living in Omaha is I can just, <laughs> he meets me at work, and I just transferred the equipment to him. Neil had called in. There's a special feature on there we didn't highlight, and Neil wanted to talk about it. So let me play that for you. Hey, this is Neil, and um, interesting piece on the 5-in-1. Looks like a Swiss Army knife for travelers. Um, 
think you neglected to mention security, and it appears that it does handle WPA2, which is a good thing. I'll call you back with a tip. All right, and his tip actually is a really good one. I always struggle with what the, you know, that's got a 4640 milliamp battery. I always struggle with what that is, and so Neil gives us a good explanation here. Listen to this. Hi, this is Neil. I'm enjoying your show. Um, just a word on uh, tips for battery calculations. The term is milliamp hours or amp hours, where an amp hour is 1,000 milliamp hours. In any case, if you have a 4,600 milliamp battery, milliamp hour battery, and you can charge it at an amp, uh, it's still going to take uh, a while to charge, and that's kind of the downside of a big battery. On the other hand, it takes a while to use it up. However, you can do some simple math. If you have a uh, 3,000 milliamp hour phone battery, and a 4,600 milliamp hour portable battery, you can divide out and you'll get something like a charge and a half out of it, the worst case. Uh, that's why you see things out there with uh, 10,000 milliamp hours, etc. So that's what I have because my wipes and my LG phones have like 3,000 milliamp batteries and if you expect more than a passing uh, charge out of the battery, it's going to have to be pretty big. In any case, it's a uh, simple math, multiplication and division. Um, there's your tip. Hopefully it's of use. Thank you. All right, so he gets that right. And Lopta corrects me again, not milliamp, but milliamp hour. Hours. Yeah, milliamp on that. You guys, you, you want to add anything from, from your perspective, Kevin? Uh, Nathaniel, um, anything else on batteries that when, when we think about that, there was, there are always batteries are always a mystery to me. I, I didn't I didn't know there'd be math on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just want them to last longer and charge faster. <laughs> and then so, uh, his, his oh, points are you know, his points are good because you know, we used to always think of amperage was this amount of power that the battery had, you know, volt you know voltage amperage kind of stuff. But the milliamp hour ratings is really more of a usage kind of function. Um, and it's all about how the electronics work. My my funny aside story was at CES this year. It was all this new technology coming out and all these new features and wearables and everything else. And two or three different media outlets were um, interviewing just regular people on the street and asking, well, what do you want from consumer electronics? Everybody said, I'd like the battery to last longer. You know, so here's this whole convention about all this great, wonderful, fantastic technology, and the average person just wants a longer battery life. Yeah, just like Nathaniel said, right? Just make it longer. I don't really yep. care what you know <laughs> how it works. Just make the silly thing longer. Yeah. Uh, Neil also makes a good point about cables. So let me play this one as well, and this will be the last call-in. Hi, this is Neil again with another battery-related tip. Uh, I've done some experimentation lately with a handful of chargers I have around my home, and I, what I found out is not only does the capacity of the charger affect how long it's going to take to charge your phone, in some cases never, uh, it seems that the cable makes a difference as well. I have a little uh, uh, wire connector on a USB cable on a spool has really thin uh, wire on it, and it just doesn't let much into your phone. 
Th think about one of those, you know, where it's on the spool and you pull it out and then you can snap it back, and that wire is super thin. That's that's kind of what he's referencing. Uh, you can, from an Android phone at least, um, see what you're really getting with a program called Ampere. It's free. Mm -hmm. Tells you uh, how much actual charge you're getting. So if I take a two amp USB charger and I stick this little thin uh, USB cable between it and the phone, I might get a hundred milliamps, which is almost nothing for what you really want. Um, however, a nice hefty cable, and I can get fifteen hundred milliamps through to the phone. So. It might pay to experiment with this little program and look for a USB cable that can actually carry the current you need. It makes a big difference in how fast your phone will charge. Have a good day. So I want to thank Neil for calling those in. That's what I'm exactly what I'm looking for on the tips. If you mm -hmm. want to if you want to talk about something we talked about in the last show, I'll play those right up front so you get those. Or if you've discovered something really cool uh, and you just want to share that, just call it in. Neil's those were it was two minutes each, and uh, Neil, you did a great job of ringing those in as well. Kevin, you were agreeing wholeheartedly on those cables, right? Sometimes the cheap, uh, um, you know, charging cables that come with the the phones aren't the best when you can buy some thicker ones, right? Any any thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> just as a rule, when you were talking about the retractables like that, whether it's a power cable or an Ethernet cable, um, just throw those away. They they they're they're so light wire. And because of that constant flex, they're always quick to wear out, and especially the Ethernet versions of those are are, are just bad news. Um, but yeah, his his points well taken. Is uh, <clears throat> uh, power power flow needs to match. You know, you can't fit a lot of amperage down a, a small wire. It it's just kind of the way it works. Yeah, it's just physics at that yep. point, right? And, and mm -hmm. making it work. Nathaniel, in the school districts that you're in the school work that you do with that, do you guys have many? Ca I mean, cabling's got to be a nightmare for you guys, right? <laughs> Getting that stuff right and keeping track of cables and all that stuff. Any any secrets or stuff that you guys have learned about getting those Mac, getting those uh, Chromebooks charged back up or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I would agree that a better cable is is important, and we go through a lot of iPad type cables because the ones from Apple are so. Uh, non-durable it'd be a way to put it and yeah. so the Amazon basics seem to work really well and then I've just been trying this um, one that's called go beyond which is a fabric braided nylon cable and uh, it's still affordable but it's got it's almost like a, a fabric jacket around the outside to kind of keep it and I, I haven't been able to measure the amperage quality but yeah we go through a lot of those charging cables the um, and just keeping extra spare power adapters around and stuff. But we find that, uh, you know, with the Ethernet, buying the pre-molded Ethernet cables from Monoprice for labs and places where um, you're not taking them on and off all the time is really good. We tend to use bootless cables in the closets just for uh, ease of use. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we, you can cut your own, but it's, you know... Even if you test them, it's not a guarantee that they're solid. So we've we've had real good luck with the Monoprice Ethernet cables, and then everything else is, you know, Monoprice and Amazon and things like that. You mentioned we we kind of ended the show last week with this discussion about cables, and it kind of fired up the chat room a little bit about um, where to buy them from. Uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, Drashna didn't has had bad luck with Monoprice. Uh, 
of late. Uh, the feeling like the, the quality cable has, there has gone down uh, with what they're doing. Kevin, you buy a lot of these things. Uh, mm -hmm. What's kind of your go-to at this point when, you, when you're thinking about cables? Where are you going? We always go to MonoPrice, uh, but you do to, and I listened to some of last week's. Um, you do have to watch. They have different grades, and and they are you know getting in different products. But MonoPrice is pretty good about um, um, using different part numbers for different lots that come in. So if you buy the same part number every time, you tend to get the same cable. So like uh, when uh, Nathaniel mentions labs, we use a lot of them in labs. And sometimes I'll just buy a batch of, you know, a handful of each just so we can give them a try and see how they are before we start out fitting a bunch of labs with them. But uh, I've had great luck with uh, monoprice cables. Uh, actually, I, it was a... Um, back when when Geeks.com was still in business, uh, uh, posted it several times on on your deal site. I'm still using up some of those cables. They they had a big blowout at the end there. They were fantastic molded cables, just really good quality stuff. So, um, but to uh, to the point, yeah, I, we've run into the same thing. Is a lot of times when you're wiring, it's nice to have a uh, to do your custom lengths and crimp everything to fit. But um, if you can use pre-moldeds, they're a lot cheaper and a lot easier to work with. Yeah, I am. I am finding it is easier to get the lengths now—the one or two or three or six inches or three inches uh, cables if you need it that way. Mike, uh, any thoughts on cables from your side experience? Auto price is where I'm at. I go to Mono Price and Amazon Basics, so both the things already mentioned. And with Mono Price, the thing I like about those is that usually with the Apple side, um, finding Apple certified cables is kind of a hit and miss. Even sometimes when they say they're certified, if you plug, for instance, my iPad into my iMac especially when you're running a Mac computer. It won't transfer data because it says this is not an Apple certified cord. And so that's why I kind of stick to Monoprice and Amazon Basics because they're usually pretty good on that. Uh, so on the Apple side, that's always a concern, and it's always that pain when you run into a cord that you just you find your one cord and it won't work. So I'm not as much on the power. I'm on the being Apple certified is my big deal. Yeah, and so you guys are all okay with as Amazon, is it called Amazon Basics? Yeah, Amazon yeah. Basics. Yeah. You guys are all okay with that? I always thought that was kind of the cheap end. <laughs> No, oh, they're pretty good, and they, okay. I like this. They make this six-inch cable, which is great to keep in your bag. So you want to plug your phone into your laptop, and you don't have to have three feet of cable for it. So this <laughs> six-inch one is killer. And yeah. I use them for everything, even like portable CD drives for my iMac. I use Amazon Basics for everything. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and everybody's mileage might vary, right? It, mm. It's one of those kinds of things where you tried something once or twice and it didn't work and you're like, I'm never going back. <laughs> so, you know, if, if we all pulled uh, every company that's had something broke for us, we'd never have anything to buy because it's we probably, you know, defects happen that way. But uh, uh, interesting. So, Neil, thanks for calling those in and uh, appreciate a good discussion. It tied right in nicely with how we kind of ended the show last week. And so if you haven't listened to that, go back to 207. And, uh, and really uh, some good coverage. That was actually two weeks ago that we did that. We took last week off, though. Thanks. And I didn't put any other podcast out there. I did get some feedback from you guys that you'd like to hear more post-show stuff. And so I'm going to be a little more judicious about keeping the post-show stuff and keeping it in a place where you can get to it. Uh, to listen to it if you want to. So we'll continue to work on that. And then um, Chatwing, I think, is going to go away. We They've changed their pricing structure this week. If you've ever come out to a live show and you've joined us, uh, the chat is super critical to what we're trying to do here. I mean, we all watch the chat. That's how I get a lot of information in. Chatwing changed their infrastructure as well as their pricing this week. 
what used to cost me a dollar a month now costs me $20 a month. <laughs> and that's a little steep uh, for just a chat service uh, to get SSL. And so I can, I can easily restructure our live page to make that work. And uh, we'll probably do that over the week and, uh, and get Chatwing up. Well, I may not go back to it. Right now it's having some problems of seeing everyone and working and I don't know. I may do something completely different. But if you're listening live, sorry about that for tonight. Chatwing has just uh, been one of those kinds of things that's not working. Did they mention why they made the switch on the pricing? I think just to be simple. You know, they had this coin okay. system, and you would buy coins, and then the coins would count towards, it was like a Bitcoin kind of thing. Right. And these coins would count towards the various services, and you could, so it was like an account you could load up, and then they would, based on each service, so you could all a card it. I think they just figured, like, you know what, we're not making much money this way. Let's just go with a flat, you know. So they used to have seven or eight different services. All of them had different pricing, and now they have one. It's zero or $20. Yeah, I thought that was a little steep. At 20x, I mean, that's a big multiplier for your price. Yeah. You're going to lose a lot of customers. I know. I was like, guys, I, 10 bucks, I might have considered it. 5 bucks, no brainer. Like 499, I'm like, okay, use the service. I like it. I think it's struggling a little bit. I think they've done some infrastructure stuff and it's struggling a little bit tonight. I may not completely trash it, but uh, sorry about that if you're watching live. And uh, Chatwing's been good to us. It's something I've used for the last almost two years now, I think. And and it's too bad uh, they, they, they kind of just priced themselves out of it. So uh, $1 to $20 was a little steep to do it. All right, we want to dig in a little bit. Uh, Kevin actually birthed this idea, geez, months ago now. We've been talking about antivirus on the PC. Mike, I, want, I know you're a Mac guy. And you don't have to struggle with this uh, from that standpoint. But you can kind of ask questions as the outsider. Um, we have the, the antivirus discussion has really dropped off the cliff. Even for us tech guys that are are into this, I remember we used to talk and debate, and we had spreadsheets, and we you know we we, we t you know what's the best. And then I think Windows Defender came along, and it was good enough, and everybody just kind of switched back to that for the most part. They put it on their family's PC. And then as of late, that has gotten really unreliable again. And there's been a lot of problems documented uh, in, the, in the press that, that uh, Windows Defender is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I think it caused some people to go back and reconsider. And Kevin was one of the first ones to kind of go back and do that. He, post, he put a post out there, that was last summer, I think, Kevin, uh, mm -hmm. when you, you said, hey, let's reconsider McAvee of all, <laughs> of all services. <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to get the pitchforked and, and uh, torches. Oh, oh, oh I did. I did. <laughs> show up outside your house. What? <laughs> and so uh, let me ask you first. Let me start with you. Let's go back a little bit uh, on that as we talk about that post and kind of bring us through the, the journey on that as far as what took you there and then and bring us up to date. Sure. So, uh, like everybody else, you know, I, I, just as you said, Jim, I hopped into Windows Defender, found it to be pretty, pretty darn effective, and then we all found it to be drifting away from that over time. Um, had spent some time with the usual suspects of uh, AVG and uh, Bitdefender and a lot of the other guys. Um, what brought me, it was sort of a twofold thing that brought me back to giving McAfee a try. And, and just so we're very clear to all the critics of my article, um, I have had some horrific experiences with McAfee and with Norton in the past. And, uh, you know, both, you know, dating way back, um, both those devices at one point in time I, I found, you know, and I think lots of other guys ran into this was, hey, I want to remove Norton from my system. 
Oh, you have to go to the Norton website and download a special tool to get it to completely remove from your system. So, you know, these these guys were very uh, obtrusive for a period of time. So why McAfee? Um, you know, from a business point of view, my company sells McAfee products. We tend to sell the enterprise end of things, so I have a relationship with those guys. But in December, of, it would have been a year ago in December, I ended up picking up a tablet at Office uh, Depot, and they were giving away um, free cards for McAfee's uh, LiveSafe. And LiveSafe is their uh, product that is... Uh, very much a, a subscription-like product. You you uh, log into the your your website and you manage your devices from there. So each each machine you put on it, and it's an all-you-can-eat type of thing. You don't. It's not a per PC license. Um, so I thought I'd give it a try. It, it was just, it just kind of popped into my head that uh, you know Intel had bought McAfee. There seemed to be a lot of changes going on, and uh, I you know a year later I'm uh, I I uh, bought another. Uh, $49 card to uh, uh, renew for another year. So uh, it's about 49 bucks a year, and uh, it's all you can eat. It does PCs. It does uh, Android tablets. Uh, it does some mobile device management with Android and iOS tablets that you can uh, do a locate on them. You can do uh, device wipe. Uh, you can do some remote support kind of functions with them as well. So, and uh, the the antivirus aspect on the tablets is not uh, so so fantastic, but it does um, analyze your applications. So especially in Android, where you might sideload something or grab something out of a different store, um, it kind of keeps an eye on the quality of those devices. Um, so you know, to jump to the end though, um, for anybody, I recommend uh, and and I find this especially. I have a nine-year-old daughter who's very much into Minecraft, and anybody who has Minecraft kids in Minecraft, you have viruses and malware. And uh, you know, I I have just found no matter how good an antivirus product is, you still need a malware product. And uh, so I I run. Uh, McAfee LiveSafe for my ant antivirus, and I run malware bytes for my uh, anti-malware, and my problems have drifted to you know near near nothing, and um, and I would say you know the the PC that has the most problems is my is my daughter's laptop, and it's not like she's surfing around to god awful places, it's it's the mods that I help her download that are the problem, and I'm trying to come up with better ways of scanning those and cleaning those up before we install them. But uh, um, the other thing I look for that I, I was watching with McAfee is um, did it mess up anything else on systems? I'm running it on about ten different systems. Did it slow them down? Haven't seen it slow them down. Uh, uh, did it uh, cause application issues? Haven't really seen that either. So, still, still pleasantly, uh, pleasantly surprised with it. Yeah, and and it was an interesting. Um, yeah, it, it caused me to look at it again. I uh, I have Cox Communication, Cox Cable here uh, for our internet provider. They provide it free and a pretty actually a, it's a year old suite, but you get the whole suite. And uh, I installed it on a couple of the PCs that I have in VMs uh, on my Windows server. And tried it out. Uh, I didn't do any testing with it. It seems like it's gotten a little bit cleaner, a little bit mm -hmm. lighter, uh, a little bit better. Now, you know, if you if you if you're watching the chat room, they would you know like to drive a stake through the heart of it right now and say no, <laughs> never, don't ever do it. And again, this is why we're having this conversation from that standpoint. And and certainly in days of old, both Norton and McAvee, early early AVs on the scene and the most dominant tried to be all things for all people and uh, and really got big and bloated 
uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. And so um, it got a little ugly. Um, Kevin, in the show notes, we're going to provide, you've got a list of some uh, research sites that are out there. Yeah. You want a little? You want to talk a little bit about what you discovered from kind of the most recent research that's going on around antivirus? Who's the best? Who's the worst? That kind of stuff. Sure. Um, maybe I should share a screen quick. And yeah. Yeah. If you want to do that, let me. I'll lock it on you so that uh, we can bring those up. While he's doing that, sure. Nathaniel, let me uh, let me ask you quickly. What if? What are you guys using in the you know in the education space? You, you got Chromebooks, so you don't really have to worry yeah. about that. But on your Windows, you, you, I assume you still yeah. have some Windows PCs. What are you running? Yeah, we're still, you know, of our non-Chromebooks, we're still 95% Windows 7 and Windows 8. But uh, we use the uh, system endpoint protection from Microsoft that comes as a part of our package of Microsoft solutions. So it used to be called Forefront for Enterprise. And now it's mm-hmm. system endpoint. But it's similar to what you would use Bitdefender on Windows 8. It's the Microsoft um, anti virus tool. Um, when we have problems with machines like BHO objects and things like that, we'll run uh, malware bytes on it, but we don't deploy malware bytes. Okay. And malware bytes seems to be the de facto, when we talk about malware, there's not, everybody recommends malware bytes. So it hasn't, I think it's become the large provider at this point. It hasn't gotten a bad, you know how companies do that, they get big and then everybody loves them and then they there's a tipping point and then everybody hates them. And yep. and uh, that yeah. hasn't seemed to happen to malware bytes. So um, I run that too. I've bought uh, like six, you know, on Newegg or on ya- or on um, Amazon from time to time. They run fifteen dollar deals, and you, sometimes you can get three licenses of malware bytes for fifteen or twenty bucks. And I've bought a bunch of those and installed them on, on the families. I won't do the free one because it doesn't have the automatic scanning, and I like that. So that's kind of how I've done it. All right, Kevin, let's Absolutely. kick it back over to you. Sure. So uh, AV Test, I find to be a, a pretty you know independent IT security company, and you can view things by manufacturers, and and these are nice individual sheets on each manufacturer, or you can hop in and say, hey, I'm a business client, I'm a you know a Mac user, I'm a home user, so I tend to default to hopping into the home user section, and on the list here, it starts off uh, somewhat in alphabetical order. But over here, you can click on what's important to you, is protection, performance, or usability. And those are the things they hit on. So this is as of February 2015, and this is in the Windows 8. You can go up and you know, change your operating system as well. If we drip down, there's 7, Vista, XP. So they test across all different uh, uh, OS platforms, but I'll, I'll stick with 8 here. So let's, let's say with protection... Um, you know, we want to see the, the, you know, the, the, the top area of performance there. And let me hop over here. Yeah, it's always a good demo when, you're, uh, when your Chrome goes yes. south on you. <laughs> we'll talk about it for a minute and see if it comes back. Um, let me pop down. There we go. There. We'll, tr- we'll do Windows 7. So when you click on protection, it ranks them then by... Um, the best protection, and they give a definition for what they mean by that. But you can see here, uh, Avira, uh, F-Secure, Trend, you know, a lot of these guys, familiar names, Intel Security, that evil uh, McAfee company is right up there. And then if you pop over to performance, things kind of flip over a little bit, and performance is, you know, lightness to the system, ease of, you know, functionality. Um, you know, the players kind of change a little bit. Norton pops up in there, 360, Kapersky. Uh, and then usability, 
we, we get back into, you know, Avast is a very popular free package, as is AVG. So, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. And in a lot of cases, um, you can, you know, start to do some comparisons. So if you find that the usability of Avast is really good and you want to just check out Avast completely, you can look across the board and see, you know, how well they did in all the tests. This brings up their overall website, tells you a little bit about false warnings and detections and just, you know, kind of the overall testing of the product. So I find these guys to be very good uh, from an AV test point of view. From another side of security is the uh, AV comparatives. And what I find the AV comparative guys do is less about individual products and more about threats. So, um, you know, their real world protection tests are testing that they've done, and, you know, this gives them their mon monthly results of. Um, you know the the overall threat uh, from certain uh, and this this one is ranking the different uh, um, packages and how they did from a protection point of view. They also can jump off into um, uh, what am I trying to say here? The sorry, I meant to have that queued up. Real protection August. I'll try that one. So they go through and do sort of a worldwide report on what are the threats out there, what are the common viruses. Yeah, this is the report I was looking for, sorry. So this one jumps off into content, gives you, you know, malicious software, scoping around that, um, test procedures that they use, things, products they use like Adobe Flash, you know, different uh, threat uh, vectors. Uh, and then they run off into their test set, and they're hitting against these different products, but they're also giving you a better idea of what the threats are out there and what kind of things you're running into. So um, these are more real-world data. I, I kind of look at this one as being a good way to jump in and see if, hey, I, you know, if you're a user of AVG and you really like AVG, these are a couple of sites that can give you better data on, you know, is it doing a really good job? How's the performance of it? Um, so they end up being pretty good from a research point of view. So one question kind of along that line is, so in my consulting side here, you know, I work a lot with small companies, like maybe a four-man shop, a two-man shop, and they're just getting started. Do you guys recommend kind of the same AV program for both the home and a small business? Now, obviously, corporations have huge IT departments devoted to this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But when you're a small shop, are you guys going to recommend that same program for the home and for that small shop? Or do you guys kind of say, well, if you're doing anything in the business side, you kind of need to go a different direction? You know, it, it's, a, it's a great question. And I tend that's why I like this AV test is I'll go back over here and hit business windows client. And you can see some of the folks are the same, but couple things change a little bit. Um, a company called Sophos pops up in here, and we've talked about them a little bit. Um, they have a free home user uh, firewall, a UTM package, and their endpoint security ties in very nicely to that. So when you bring up small businesses, one of the things I tell them to look for is just as Jim was saying with his um, internet service provider offering something, uh, I'm finding more and more that, uh, you know, so we carry a firewall line called Fortinet, and Fortinet's a good firewall. They, you know, small business on up through the enterprise. They have started offering a endpoint protection package that ties in really nicely to their firewall as well. And we're seeing more people do that, like a McAfee or a Checkpoint or a Sophos. So, um, 
you know, and I think uh, you look at some of the the functions, and and I, actually Nathaniel brought up a great point: is um, the forefront product from Microsoft. We always use that in our in our labs at work, and oddly enough, when Defender from Microsoft kind of started drifting off and not doing well, forefront continued to be really good. So obviously they were different technologies, and it, it just always struck me odd of you know Microsoft, why don't you why don't you just use forefront instead of Defender because that seems to be a good product. So, uh, but yeah, I, I would I would tell you know any small business to you know look for synergy, look for you know what are some of the other things that you're using in your data center, and is there some synergy you can tie between those types of things? Uh, Kevin, I'm looking at this avtest.org. Yep. And in every category, the Microsoft product is at the bottom. It's zero <laughs> out of five or zero out of six for, for protection. It and is, I'm going it back is. over history. I'm trying to find somewhere where they're not at the bottom. It for for numerous reasons they have just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Now, what else have oh, to wait, check? Here, on 2013, they got one and a half circles. <laughs> That's their best score. Oh boy. Well, well maybe now, that's because it's Windows 8. I wonder if Windows 7 scores any differently. Uh, I think it does. That's a good. That's a good point. Is uh, if you pop to Windows 7 and give it a look, we'll see if it's any different. Yeah. There. So if I go to June 2012, forefront endpoint protection does a little better. Yep. Still not the best, but. Hmm. De yeah, definitely, a, definitely struggling. Right when we talk yeah. about going and, with the product. And, and that's about the time frame, like Jim mentioned. That's when we all kind of started running into problems with it. It was about that time frame where it had kind of come off from being pretty good and started drifting, drifting off a bit. Well, here's my question, though. Here's my dilemma. I have a variety of computers, and I don't have problems in my household yet with viruses and malware um, because I have a few Windows machines that aren't used all the time and aren't used for just general surfing most of the time. So most of my surfing and daily use is either on a Mac or a Chromebook, so I'm not hopefully as success susceptible to that. So I feel like I can get away with having a less effective protection on my Windows machines, but I'm getting the benefit of not having a cost and the benefit of not having a performance hit, and it's better than nothing. So is that naive is my question or should I care more about running antivirus on home computers? I would say if you're not having problems and, and what you just described is very common. I, I had a situation in the house here where I had uh, many years ago I had one computer that it, it just was in a in the like the guest bedroom and I used it for a little bit of email, and it was linked up to our bank, so I did the online banking stuff there, and that's about all that I had on that. Never had a virus on it. Never had any viruses, any malware, any issues. So it is those machines, and, and in some ways I think because a lot of us have started doing more of our um, browsing on tablets and, and you know, uh, um, bumping into websites that uh, kind of flag you as, hey, this probably isn't a safe website to hit. Um, you know, I, I think because we're doing more and more of that on devices that are non-PC devices, um, I, I agree. And and in my in like I say, in my house, it isn't until my daughter started hitting the Minecraft stuff hard that we started, and that's less virus and more malware. Um, these yeah. mods that you download for that stuff just seem to be loaded up with with stuff. So so, you know, we'll, we'll download a mod, unzip it, 
scan it a few times, clean it up, and 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 then load it. So it is very much a function point of view. So yeah, you can you can get by um, with a device like that. The concern I guess I have is if you do open something and get it, how well can you get it off again and how well can you remove it and but you know in those cases that's where you run into the things where you have to maybe go out and do some research and it ends up being you download a special scanner like you said at work you know you, you'll, you'll down you'll use malware bytes when you have to um, so as long as people are aware that uh, you know you need a recovery plan and part of the recovery plan may be, do you have a good backup of the data on there? You know, that's what I, I guess when I get into an antivirus discussion like that, I end up having a data backup discussion because that is kind of the end result that could be, you know, could be your major issue on the backside of this. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I find interesting whenever we talk about this, one is the amount of passion there is around this, and one of the one of there's been some great links in the chat room. So this week I will capture the entire chat room and include that as a downloadable PDF. If you want to go out there, there'll be a lot. The guys have put a lot of great links out there as well. Of course, you'll want to head out for this particular podcast. You're going to want to head out to theaverageguy.tv for the show notes. Kevin's put some really good links in there as well, and I'll make those available to you. And then I, I wouldn't mind uh, if you've got some things to say or some stuff. You try and be nice about it. We're a nice community. Um, it, uh, put those in the comments. Uh, there's a comment section down below there. And i uh, love to hear what you have. But everyone's got their opinion, right? This is one of those things in what you're comfortable with and what you've used. You know, I uh, was kind of told Bitdefender is kind of the best free. And, I, and that's what I've installed kind of around the house. It's got a great super light, easy to manage console. You just put your email address, register, put your email address in. It keeps track of everything for you. There's a website you can go to. Not that many options. It just kind of works, right? From that, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, that's one of those things about antivirus, right? You don't, I mean, you, know, you kind of wonder, like, is it really working? How do, how do I know if there's a virus sitting behind, if it didn't find it, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, I'm looking at a list. Bitdefender didn't even make this. Uh, we're at uh, TechRadar.com, looking at theirs, and Bitdefender didn't even make their top five. You know, they look at 360 Total Security, Avast, Panda, AVG. Uh, those those are kind of the same companies that always show up. You know, there's a handful that always show up on the free list. Ken in chat is mentioning he likes this one, and I don't know how to pronounce it, but but. Uh, Quiho from China. Quiho 360. Yeah, and you're like, and and Lopt is, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to trust anything from China, <laughs> right? And it, there's a valid point there, right? You're there, like, oh, there is, you know, that that right now from a cyber from a cyber standpoint, China is the enemy of the United States when it comes to that. I mean, we're all trying to hack each other. Yep. Just you know. Well, and and that's the old Kapersky argument is uh, most of the hackers are in Russia, so the best antivirus probably comes from Russia and. I, I, you know, um, careful how I word it, but I, I've never used Kapersky, and I'm sure subliminally <laughs> there's been a little bit of the, I, I, I don't know that I would trust the product, and, and uh, the 360 product is one that I, I, I wouldn't trust. Um, I'm not saying everything coming from China is bad, but guys like Huawei and recently Lenovo kind of have a, a bad track record on certain things. So, um, but that is a great point is if you look at some of the ones that I, I kind of consolidated a list, it'll be in the notes. Um, 
Avast, very popular free product, uh, AVG, um, Avira is an up-and-coming product, uh, Bitdefender made my list, and uh, Panda made my list. Um, hit all those guys, uh, I put links in there, and it, 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 there's nothing wrong with determining where a company's based out of, and every one of these guys gives a good history on who uh, on you know who they are, where they came from, and I always find that's a good deal. Is you know you hit Avira, which I think is a German-based company, Avast, I think is a Czechoslovakian-based company, and there's pictures of all the guys and bios on the, the people behind the company. So you know a lot of good information and a lot of good stuff. Um, so you know I I just I tend to look at the track records of these companies, and uh, you know to the point earlier, Jim. You know I know a lot of guys uh, ha won't try McAfee. That's fine. Um, Tony in the chat mentioned I think you know longtime AVG user, and he had it blow up one of his systems not too long ago. So everybody, you know. Any kind of technology. Good friend of mine works at Seagate. Good friend of mine works at Western Digital. They never throw rocks at each other because every one of them knows they have had that stinky drive at one point or another. And the software guys have the same kind of deal. Um, you know, we just got done talking about cables. I have great luck with Monoprice. Uh, you know, uh, Lop or uh, uh, had, had, a, had a bad experience. Um, Ford versus Chevy. You know, it it, it kind of goes on and on. I just try and keep an open mind about it, and in my business aspect, I kind of have to try a few different things and and you know give people a second chance. Kevin, do you think there's a benefit to paying for an antivirus product versus using a free one? Because uh, you're paying for McAfee, so yep. what made you decide I'm gonna go with this one because it's paid and it has this benefit over using Bitdefender or Vast that's free? That's that's a fantastic question. And Jim hit on a part of that before. Is it's part of the reason I pay for Malwarebytes is almost all the pay versions automate. So Malwarebytes updates real daily, real-time automation, up and running. Uh, the LiveSafe I have, um, I. I'll log in here to see if I can bring up a screen of it without giving away too much of my life information. But it, <laughs> it it's very it's very automated. It's very open. Um, and you know, Jim, to your point about viruses, obviously, if it misses something, it's not going to tell me that. But it gives me a running record of what it has pulled down and what uh, you know what's available that way. So you know, it does a very good job from that uh, that point of view. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of the weight factor I use. For years, I used um, uh, free products because it uh, I just never had any problems with them. I, I used AVG for years um, and used Panda on and off. So I would definitely encourage people. <laughs> my, my big first question is if you're not using anything other than what Windows loaded up, Grab a free package. You know any of the five that I've listed, I think are good. Or take a recommendation from a friend, and and give a free one a try, and and you know just make sure it load you know it, that it's working for you. I think I think that's good advice. Let's make a little bit of a switch since we've got Mike here. When we talk about antivirus for the Mac, Mike, uh, when folks ask you, you've got this call-in show, and you you allow people to talk about that. For a lot of years, Mac was like, hey, we don't get viruses. It's just because nobody owned any Macs. But uh, that, I'm just joking. You know I got to dig on that. Right, bit. right. So what, what did, how, where do you start? Kevin's got some suggestions here, but where do you start when we talk about antivirus on the Mac? 
You know, sadly, I, I'm one of those that still doesn't worry about it too often on the Mac because a lot of the things on the Mac side are going to be things like, you know, things that affect every system, not just the Mac, SSL, stuff like that. Those are things I'm more worried about on the Mac side. But I do, I did notice that AVG, you know, obviously runs on the Mac now. And then Mac Cleaner is another one that if you play for an upgrade, you can actually get the real-time monitoring. But mainly I'm looking to go in and kind of sweep my computer and look for things. But on the Mac side, it, it's just something that honestly I've never worried about. And in, you never worry about it until you get burned. And I haven't got burned yet. And I've been running Mac for years. And I run a ton of Macs. And a lot of my family does. And I manage all of them. And we've, we haven't gotten burned yet. So you know, it's one of those things that I haven't worried about too much. But AVG and Mac Cleaner are two that I, I use when I do want to look for that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Kevin, any uh, any suggestions there on the Mac side? Um, that Sophos I threw out there has uh, a free Mac product that seems to be really, really good. And uh, in most Mac, uh, um, that came out of their business world because that's mainly where they focus on. Yeah, and the one thing you need to worry about before you spend a lot of money on a program for a Mac just make sure you do your research because a lot of problem is a lot of these people are looking to make a buck and when they switch over, the same things that are going to affect a Windows will not affect a Mac. They're two completely different operating systems and a lot of these people will just throw their same system they have protecting your Windows side over to the Mac and charge the same price for it. So one thing I know, at least in the past few years, is that you need to make sure that the software is built specifically for the Mac OS and it's not something that's built to just check, because you're not going to have the same viruses or malware as a Windows machine. You're going to have different stuff targeted towards a Mac. So that was my one always area of focus. Make sure you're running a software that's actually built for the Mac. Well, but wouldn't you say that the part of the challenge of not having antivirus on a Mac is that you may be immune to those Windows viruses, but you can pass them on, a carrier, if you will. That is true. That is true. well, and especially yeah, especially with email and all the things that we do on the Mac. That is something you do have to worry about. And I guess you know, being on that side, something I've never thought of before is that even though I'm not going to be affected, I could pass it on. So yes, you're correct. So running something that'll check through your system is always good. Do you guys think there's any risk of files that are in these online storage sites like Dropbox, OneDrive? box where we're having local copies, do those companies scan our files for viruses? What what role do they play in protecting the transmission of viruses through their services? Uh, my understanding is they don't. Um, you know, I, and I think some some of the enterprise class products do. Uh, Syncplivity that EMC owns, I think, offers that as an enterprise feature of doing virus scan uh, to try and protect your uh, information. But... Um, no, I, but my, my understanding is most of them don't. I believe they don't as well. But I think that's also one of the many reasons that a lot of corporations choose to not allow you to have those sort of software uh, installed on your computer, which is a pain sometimes for some of us, but just one of the many reasons that those kind of so, uh, software packages aren't allowed in the corporate atmosphere, besides the business level. Hmm. I was just curious. Yeah, that's no, a, Nathaniel, that's a great point, though, when we talk about um, are all these cloud these cloud providers, and if they're if they're they've walled off themselves right from from the viruses in the sense they can't get them on their servers, they but they allow you to store them. Then that creates you know so you get a bad file out there, you sweep your PC, resync to your cloud storage device, boom, you got it again, you know. And and I guess I've always made the assumption that those providers were doing some active antivirus, but maybe not. I'm not finding anything. No, not as far as I know. And and Jim, this is where you could segue into Christian and his guys is 
we're heading into a software-defined data center where, in a virtual world, uh, an Ethernet switch is becoming a piece of software. So what happens when somebody is gets smart enough to write a virus that embeds itself inside of a switch? So you know we're we're heading a point in time where, um, from a security point of view, I used to talk about security kind of wrapping all around the data center, but at the last uh, VMware conference, it's kind of a subtle thing, but I I, I really I thought was well taken was um, uh, the the point of view that security needs to be embedded in each area. So mobile devices, security needs to be an integral part of that. Your big data environment, um, different types of security need to be embedded in that. So I, I think we're hitting, you know, kind of a kind of a point where um, you know we're looking at things differently from that point of view. Kevin, what also do you think about front end as far as, you know, there are some options to kind of stop it from even getting into the yep. network. Uh, what what kind of what kind of options do we have there? I'm, I'm glad you hit on that one because that's popped into my head about three times now and I keep forgetting to bring it up, is I noticed, uh, the other thing that I noticed reduced, and I, anecdotal, but I have to believe it's true, from my own environment here, when I went from a router, just a plain old Netgear NAT router, to a real firewall, um, I went with Sophos for a little while and then I went to uh, Zyzel, um, Zywall firewall, and now I'm probably going to go back to Sophos after I get done playing around with that. I noticed the amount of issues I had dropped off pretty rapidly. And I think what it is, is in a lot of cases, you download malware or you bring things in. Some of it gets blocked by the firewall coming in, but a lot of it gets blocked going out. So that traffic of some malware on your system trying to get out, I notice all the time that the reports out of that Zywall, and I think you, you've got reports probably out of your PF sense showing that it's blocked and something trying to get out, you throw on malware bytes, malware, you, know, you, you can kind of see that synergy between your firewall and your malware or your antivirus. So I, I definitely think a really strong firewall helps in this problem as well. Or, you know, we use the term UTM, Unified Threat Management, is where PFSense, Untangle, and Sophos kind of fall into the, the neck of the woods as well. Yeah, Nathaniel, you want to talk? Yeah. We're, we're chatting and <laughs> we're in chat yeah. talking about this, but you want, you want to talk about it publicly? Well, I just I just went to Dropbox's help site and they have a FAQ: How does Dropbox handle viruses or malware? We'll sync any file you add to it. So if someone syncs a virus and malware file, it'll be synced to any computer's link to the account. Which uh, my comment was that makes sense. If they're claiming privacy with your files, they're not going to be also scanning them. Um, but uh, it just is a new threat. You know, uh, what's the term Christian uses? Uh, tax surface. Yeah, that's it. So if if you're sharing with a lot of people through Box or Dropbox or something like that, and someone gets a file that's malicious and transfers across, if you're not protecting your own server, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and I just moved uh, this weekend. I just moved, uh, so I am separating. I have a Windows 2011 environment and a Windows 2012 R2 environment, and I've. I moved all my podcast files. That kind of whole directory that went to 2012. I don't. That's. I don't need to share that with anybody else, right? That's kind of my stuff. And I'm kind of turning my 2011 box into the host for all these different, you know, box and Dropbox and copy and and um, uh, who else would be out there? There's a bunch of them. Uh, 
Um, and of course, that just went away as soon as I got that far. But you know what I'm talking about? These cloud service providers, that Mediafire would be one of them. Yeah. That has these clients on them, and and I install the clients to the server. They all work on the server, and it becomes kind of this cloud, this combined cloud host for me. We'll talk about this on Home Server Show in two weeks. But um, that to to me now, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh crap! This makes it even more important that I have antivirus on that box because I share my Dropbox is the open is open to the world. I mean that's mm-hmm. when I share with people I'm sharing on Dropbox and of course those files are syncing back to my home server. Yep. Right. And so I should be I, I need to probably be I've got malware bytes running on it, a paid version of it, but I should probably be scanning every single file that hits the that hits the home server. In in and out. Yeah. So uh, back to the question on what I run uh, and and why I pay for it. Um, I'm sharing a screen right now, and I don't think I'm sharing anything uh, too obtrusive. But um, the PC, so up across the top here, just lists all the PCs in my house that are on this. I happen to pick an Android tablet just so you can see some of the features. Um, And, yes, that's where I live. Uh, So everybody on the Internet knows, but you could get that off anywhere. Um, so the last time it was located, it was there. Um, I have a separate pin so that the McAfee can't be taken off the tablet. Um, I can lock it. I can wipe it. I can sound an alarm on it um, on a phone with a camera. Uh, let me flip over to this one. I can um, take a picture. So capture cam. If somebody's holding my cam, my phone or this tablet, I can get a picture of them. Um, the wipe function is is pretty um, elaborate with its ability to, I can pick and choose what I want to get rid of on the device. Um, so it, it's, it's a, I, I used to say it's a poor man's mobile device manager, but it's really not that poor. It's actually... <laughs> It's actually a pretty thorough one. Um, so this is more of a security function for your mobile devices than, say, uh, an antivirus product. But that's that's part of the reason I, I really like this function of sort of having the central console where I can go look at each device. I can make sure they're all updating regularly. They're scanning regularly. I don't have to run around to every PC in the house. And I can keep track of all my mobile devices from this point of view as well. So I like that central console feature, Kevin. That's pretty sweet because then you don't have to go to each PC and look and see. And then um, you just got one price for the year, and it can cover all your endpoints. And what did you say earlier about you were getting coupons or discounts or you bought a card for it? or So so like at at Christmas time... Oh, um, would have been not 2014, but 2013 at Christmas time, and they did it again. Uh, so pr- probably starting at Black Friday, Office Depot and Office Max give away this for free with any tablet or PC purchase. Oh, I see. They did it in 2013. They did it in 2014. Um, so you know, the first time I got it that way. The second uh, this year, I just went to renew, and it's usually like seventy nine dollars, but um, right. McAfee almost always offers it for forty nine bucks. So, for fifty bucks to cover every PC and tablet I have uh, is, is you know pretty good deal. Works yeah, if you divide nice. it by the number of devices, you're getting down to five ten dollars a device. Yep, yep. That sounds and like I cool. said. That's available from if you're a Cox subscriber, you get that for free. And they mm-hmm. give you, they have both a single license and a five PC download that you can get. Although they, I've, I've put that in a bunch of different places, and it doesn't seem like they're keeping track <laughs> very well. So, uh, again, free as a subscriber, you might want to check with your local ISP to see what they have available for you. So I noticed Comcast you had that offers Norton. Okay. 
So we need to run it on your mobile. Go ahead, Mike. Oh yeah. Okay. So you had that run on your mobile device, you know, you to locate it and to wipe it. How far away are you from running, or do you, we already run malware um, protection software on our mobile phones? I think a lot of the forgotten aspect is that these phones and these tablets now are pretty much our full-time computers. Mm-hmm. And so I know, you know, especially on the Apple side, Apple locks things down a lot from developer side, so we might not be able to get the type of protection we want in an app. Um, so we're kind of stuck there. But on the Windows and Android side, uh, how far away are we, or are we already there with malware protection on those devices? We're... we're, we're you can be there. The thing I've come to find is, so what I just showed you, um, that running on that HP Slate 8 of mine uh, works very well. And okay. I don't I don't notice that it's running in the background. It is one of those where I notice it is if I haven't if I haven't run that tablet for a while, the first time it comes up, it goes through and it's scanning all the applications. It's a little sluggish right off the bat. Um, on older tablets, it's real sluggish. So it, it, it is a bit of a load on old stuff, um, but on newer tablets. And I threw it on a phone here to do some testing the other day and didn't really notice it was there. And, you know, and McAfee's really thought about that because you set a pin for the app so that if somebody stole your phone, um, they actually can't uninstall that McAfee app. So as long as that phone is up and running, I can go in and wipe it. I can, like I say, take a picture of it. I can send an alarm to it. So, you know, even if I can't get it back, at least I can get all my data off it and, uh, and, and clear it before somebody uses it for something else. Is that vital, do you think? Are we at the point where everyone should be looking to install some sort of software like that on their mobile devices? You know, I, I think with the, the you know, the Apple Pay, no, not to pick on Apple, but the pay functions, the things yeah. we're going to start doing with our phones, and, you know, I locally here, I, I uh, the clinic I go to is Alina Clinic. They have um, my chart, uh, you know, so my medical record access is on my phone, my bank access through Wells Fargo and my credit union are on my phone. So, yeah, if somebody if somebody hacked my phone, they have paths into pretty much my, all my stuff. Right. So, you know, it, I, so I, I guess I'm feeling more and more the the stuff we're doing with our mobile devices probably makes them more vulnerable because that's the stuff we take out with us, you know, and, and, and we have. That's what I tend to find, too. I think if someone stole my phone, they would have far more information on me than if they stole my laptop because I honestly use my phone for everything, for banking, yep. for, like you said, the health kit, stuff like that, stuff that I honestly don't do on my computer too often, but stuff I do on my phone all the time. So it's something I've just been thinking about lately is mm-hmm. developing malware solutions on the mobile side. So good to hear your well, take. I, I know on Android it's recommended, uh, and there's a bunch of free options. And uh, if I had my Android down here, I'd just open it up and tell you. There's one that's just the, 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 everybody I've talked to just says, yeah, I put that on at a minimum. At a minimum. Mike, you and I talked about this weeks ago. If you're not locking your phone, that's the first line of defense, right? That thing is swiped open. (laughs) Oh, but it's kind of a hassle. I have to (laughs) type in a pin, and I want to check Facebook quickly. (laughs) While I'm driving. Lock that phone. (laughs) Listen, anybody who listens to this podcast is locking their phone. I know you guys are doing that, right? The listeners are doing that. But get your family to do that, right? Get them to put a lock especially on Android, but iPhone as well. There's there's a lot of benefits to those uh, in your Windows phone. Do them on all three, but nobody, nobody's got a Windows phone that listens to this. A few of you probably. Um, I've got all three. Speaking of all three, let me, let me just segue with this real quick. Uh, Megabyte, Mega, called in 
and had this great idea for a show. So let me just, uh, hold on, let me unmute this. When we think about all three phones, uh, listen to what Mega says. Yeah, hello, Jim. This is Mega, uh, Megabyte. Uh, my brother, little brother Kilo, he called you sometime in the past. And a terrible accent, by the way. My uh, question uh, is more of an uh, idea for a show. Uh, you are the only guy I know what has uh, used the uh, Windows phone and their Android phone and their uh, iOS phone. And I think... Now, wait a minute. That accent went from, like, Mexican <laughs> yeah. to, like, Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> like, in a sentence. All right, here we go. Let's to Minnesota. It was like the Minnesota. Real yeah. fine show if you would... Uh, give us like a good comparison uh, what you think is the best on all of them uh, and uh, maybe now that uh, the Microsoft uh, they got the uh, the uh, application for all of them across all the board there maybe you could uh, compare and contrast how good that works across the board so uh, once again this uh, this is mega uh, megabyte and uh, a very good show you have and I'm enjoying it um, very much, uh, and my brother Kilo, he's kind of an idiot. Thanks. Well, we of course uh, we thank Mega for calling in. It's a good idea, Kevin. It's a good idea to think about because I do I do have all three, and I'm using all three of them still. So Windows, Android, and iPhone, and uh, maybe kind of an average guy overview of where all three of those. And of course, uh, adding Mike to the show, we get really really get a really good Apple focus. Absolutely. On that, so Mike, maybe you and I will put something together here in the next couple of weeks to a month or so. We've got the the shows kind of scheduled out for the next couple of weeks, but uh, so, uh, so Kevin, thank you for uh, for for calling in and making that suggestion. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was mega. Uh, mega 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 sounds a lot like a neighbor who I grew up by. Axel oh, Axel nice. Halverson was an old Norwegian guy, and he he talked just like that. Um, that's a good. By the way, call in. That's what I'm looking for too. Call in if you have show ideas. Call those in, and we'll uh, we'll consider. You know, and and Jim, what what popped up with that uh, idea as well? I think it was this morning. Uh, so an app I use a lot in, in meetings is uh, Office Lens on my Lumia phone, and uh, you know, taking shots of whiteboards. It if you haven't used it, it works fantastic. It really squares up, cleans up, um, uh, subdues the flash off the whiteboard, and you get a great shot of the whiteboard. And the announcement this morning was the um, Microsoft is releasing that for iOS and. Instantly, you know, Paul Thrott's thread, you know, everybody's, oh, I can't understand what Microsoft is doing. They're giving away all the best stuff. And I don't the logic to me is is so sound. It's it's like so people don't use Windows phones because there's not enough apps. But if Microsoft wins you over that their apps are the best apps on your Android and iOS phone, isn't that gonna make it easier to move you to a Windows phone? Yeah. If the app if the app structure turns into, hey, I got Microsoft Office I use, I, I love this app, I love that app, and oh god, they're all Microsoft apps. Now all of a sudden, iOS, Android, Windows, you know, and and ultimately, you know, I'm probably putting way too much hope towards the unified app strategy of you know being able to share things between phones and tablets and PCs. But um, I think it's a out, you know just an amazing strategy. So hopefully well, they pull it through. It's the same strategy you saw with Apple when iTunes, when they were first launching iTunes and they finally brought it over to the Windows side. And, you know, people are like, well, why are you giving out your Apple 
iTunes to the Windows side and look what it did. It kind of brings you into the ecosystem and people mm -hmm. start using iTunes and then they get iPods and then, you know, iPhones and stuff like that. It just kind of brings you into that ecosystem. Yep. And when you start using these apps or these services, it works better to be in the ecosystem. If you can fully dive into one ecosystem, your life really becomes easy. So just like you said, getting them into that whole Windows sphere, they might eventually end up switching over and just because they want to be in that deep, rich ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If I do something like that, though, there's plenty of sites that are doing phone comparisons. So you can get that other places. Uh, help me think through what would be, what what are you not hearing in other places that you'd love for us to cover? So let me know. There's plenty of ways to cover that. But it would be great to, uh, as we look at these three platforms, uh, what's not being covered out there that, uh, that you'd like us to cover. So we'll take your feedback along those. All right. Uh, I don't want to get into a phone conversation, but I do want to do a quick lightning round because we're going to run out of time here in just a few. Uh, Kevin, you've got some great tools. I want to roll through those, and you give me maybe a one or two kind of sentence how you're using these, the benefit of them. And then if Mike or Nathaniel, you guys want to chime in if you're using these, I'll, I'll leave an empty space for that as well. Uh, first, let's talk about Glary Utilities. So Glary is a free package. Once again, you can pay for it and get the pro version that'll do auto scans. Um, probably one of the best uh, Windows registry scanners out there. Uh, but interestingly, most people just use it for the one touch. If you dig into the other utilities, it's got a great file duplicator locator. It's great for cleaning up your music. Um, tons and tons of apps out there. Just go look at it and see free basic download and a reasonably priced uh, pro version of it. Um, I, I find if people's PCs are running slow, that's kind of my uh, my first thing to launch with them. That's kind of your go-to. You guys, yep. any, any feedback on that? I've used it before. I uh, tend to run CCleaner, mm -hmm. which does some things, but Glary does more. Um, so cool, I've good. never used it. Paragon uh, Backup. So Paragon I've used a lot uh, in uh, looking down at some of Nathaniel's questions about CloneZilla. Um, we can talk <laughs> about Paragon. Uh, Paragon Backup and Recovery 14 is free. And uh, once again, the only thing you don't get for the free is the bare metal recovery. Um, the, so, you know, every time somebody buys a USB drive, they probably get some free backup package on that. And, you know, you go over to a friend's house and they've got three different USB drives and three different backup packages. So what I try to help them with is if you go with Paragon's free package, you can have the same backup software, and if you're backing up to USB drives or to servers or to another PC, doesn't matter. The interface is the same, the function is the same, and you're not fighting with you know different backups. So it's more of a standardization. Um, plus, it's free, and I've found it to be very effective over the years. One of my favorites, Bellark, uh, and they've been around a long time. They were a company I worked with on their enterprise site in 1999. And uh, they were looking to get bought, and they never did. Those guys out there are still kicking around. But talk a little bit about Bellark. So Bellark Advisor, if you've never run it, just download it. It's a free product. Let it run, and it will tell you everything that's on your PC and everything that's missing from your PC. Um, what, one of the key things I do with it is anytime I buy a used PC off the Internet uh, that come with nothing, um, you, you run... Uh, Bellark on it, and it will give you every license key that is loaded on that machine, so that Windows likes to have will pop right up for you. 
Um, it will look for things on your network. It will find you know what's out in your network. Plus, it'll give you quick access to uh, web server-based things on your network. So, like to get into your print servers and stuff like that. Um, just a wealth of information comes out of it. Every time I decommission a machine, I run Bellarc on it and then print out a copy of that. So, you know, if it's one of those deals where geez, I, I know I had a version of this software. I hate to buy it again. I can look in there, and sure enough, there'll be the license key, and I'll, I'll have it ready to go. Yeah, that tip is gold right there. I'm not going to lie. Bellarc is an amazing product, and uh, they continue. They have a free version. They sell enterprise. It's enterprise discovery, right? They, they really want to mm -hmm. get into the enterprise, get on it, and then help you license properly. That's kind of their monetization model. So at the individual level, and they've always been this way since 1998, 1999. They've always had a free version that's available. And these guys have been working on That's 15 years ago. They've been working on this. They've gotten really good at it. And so yep. that's a recommend. Every tech guy needs to have that Bellarc tool. Just go, you just go to their website, download it, a tiny little file run it and you'll get some amazing information about your PC so highly recommend that as well and then last not last but not least team viewer so TeamViewer is, uh, um, much like Bellarc, the uh, enterprise package. It's really designed for support uh, help desk kind of folks to uh, pop in and take control, take remote access of your system, um, but it's offered for free for personal use. And uh, um, it, it also has a, a free meeting product in there as well, so a, a go-to-meeting kind of function. Uh, TeamViewer has a nice file transfer function built into it, so you don't actually have to completely connect to a home computer. You can just go grab some files off from computers you have. And uh, the latest thing that's added is um, remote access support for tablets. So, um, you know, kind of a two-way street there is I can use my Windows phone or my Android tablet to remote control a one of my PCs. Or vice versa, I can use my PC to remote control a tablet. And, uh, and it doesn't work for all of them, but the quick support function on some of the Samsungs and the LGs um, seems to work uh, really quite well. Yeah, I love TeamViewer. I'll second that. I have it installed, especially how you can install it on all of your family's computers, and then they don't even need to give you any code or anything. It just can fire it right up if they've given yep. you that sort of permission. And so it's fantastic, especially if you're the home you know, tech guy for your family, which a lot of you guys are, uh, it's, it's clutch. Free, amazing. Yep. No, that, that's the, the, I use it the exact same way. Every family yeah. member I try and support. And if people are concerned about, um, uh, you know, login safety, um, it does support two-factor authentication, so you can use the authenticator apps on your phone to give you that second layer of authentication um, to make it extra safe. Yeah, four great tools. Uh, TeamViewer is, uh, is uh, Jim Collison's mom approved. My, I actually <laughs> had my mom uh, download it, install it, give me the code, and get me logged in without me even seeing the computer. You know, if my mom can do it, she's 84, uh, anybody can do it. You guys have heard about my mom on the show. I should have her on sometime. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be a real treat. Um, but uh, your grandma approved as well, so she's done it as well. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's on my grandma's computer. It's how she does everything. She'll just call me and I'll say, "Hey, just turn on the computer. That's all I need you to do." So yeah, yeah. Well, John said in chat, he said, "Man, this this show is going to need some pretty detailed show notes with all the stuff that we've we have thrown out there. There have been a lot. Uh, Kevin did a great job of including a bunch of show notes in here, and so we'll include all of those, including those." last four product tips that we threw out there are kind of a must for any tech guy. 
I'm sure you have your tools and your tips. If you want to, when we when we post this, if you want to head out to the post and throw those in the comments, that would be great. I would just love this post to be a big, gigantic tool, you know, conglomeration of that. We'll have the show notes. Uh, we'll have the chat uh, in there available to you. And then anything you want to put in the comments, be kind in the comments, and uh, and and stuff that you like, including any antivirus that you're using. Hey, if it works for you, this is what we say at the Average Guy Network. If it works for you, it's the best thing for you, right? So, it, it it's just one of those things. You just um, it some things work for some; they don't work for others. We don't. Uh, we have lots of grace here on the network, and uh, we want to make sure that we are kind to each other in the process. So, Nathaniel, you had put some LastPass stuff in here. We've talked about that in in, in the past. We've talked about that with you. I want to hold your. I want to hold that thought with you. I, I've been pinging Amber about uh, LastPass and Spartan. Because I think this is a cool opportunity for us to get kind of an inside look with, with the new the new browser for Microsoft Project Spartan that just came out on Windows 10. It has it's super light, right? No, uh, I mean it's so light it doesn't work uh, today. <laughs> it's it's a little brutal if you've if you've been following the uh, the Windows 10 and you're on the fast track uh, with uh, with 10,041. I think you get Project Spartan now. And it's kind of, it's it's cool. You can write on it, and you can share some of those things, but it doesn't always work, and it crashed on me a couple times. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's exactly what's supposed to happen, right? Where they're, they're putting this beta software out early, and uh, and so it's what's supposed to happen. I did get renewed in my MVP, so that, that just happened yesterday, and so I feel like I should probably continue to be out there testing that stuff and working that stuff with them. And so Project Spartan, the the, the last pass, Nathaniel, the last pass plugins, of course, don't work with Project Spartan because it's a brand new browser. <clears throat> so if you, that, that's the first thing I did, right? I was going to the browser and I wanted to test some stuff and I'm like, oh boy, I got to remember my passwords now <laughs> and uh, it, they don't have an extension for it. And I pinged Amber on Twitter on Tuesday and she said, well, the extensions are still a little fuzzy with the way Microsoft's going to do them. So they don't have extensions yet to be able to write the uh, the um, you know the install the plugin to make it work with LastPass. So Nathaniel, if you're okay with that, I'll have you back on when next time we have Amber on and we can talk yeah. about LastPass stuff and we can talk LastPass Enterprise. I know you've got some experience with that. It'd be great, uh, great time to have you back on for that. Great. Okay, with that, I, anything else, guys? As I just, uh, I'll do a final kind of final approach. We'll we'll do all the stuff that if you've made it to this part of the podcast, you're the five percent most engaged <laughs> of our audience. And we always appreciate that. Again, we're trying to get right to the content and then save kind of the other stuff for the end. Anything else, guys, before I wrap this? Um, if you want cool T-shirts, go out to Woot because Woot has the new retro robot T-shirt that I just got in the mail today. So uh, all, Woot, always cool. Woot shirts? WootShirts.com. WootShirts.com. Okay. I wish they would have an affiliate link for them, but I don't. Just the only place I have an affiliate link for right now, I could do all of them, but they're so hard to manage, and I just don't have time to do that. Amazon makes it so easy, and, of course, you can support the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund. When you use Amazon, just head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. Put that in your browser, bookmark it, whatever it takes to get that done. I know uh, the last couple times I've bought at Amazon, I've, oh, I need to use somebody's code, and so I've actually stopped the buying process, <laughs> cleared everything out of my cart, went back to the link, Logged into Amazon, rebought the product, and and uh, and and one time I even canceled the order. You know, you get a few minutes to cancel your order on Amazon before it gets shipped. Pretty soon that'll be instantaneous and it'll be in a drone uh, to you, and you only have to you'll have to send the drone back with the product. But 
head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. If you want to use, if you're in Canada, we'd love you to use theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon CA. That's our Canadian affiliate. Those funds go to John Zadler, and uh, he picks up stuff for us. By the way, if you didn't hear the last podcast with John Zadler, there's an outtake every single time we have Zadler on. So you <laughs> make sure to go out there. He's in the beginning and the end of that program, and uh, he always does a great job. The newsletter has been blowing up. I mentioned that. you know, We had about 70 of you subscribe. Uh, in a week, I got a 200. I don't think any of them are real. We sent the newsletter out this week, uh, and uh, in the percentage of those of you who opened it, uh, went down at the same rate that the newsletter went up. So for some crazy reason, some somebody is sending automatic signups to my newsletter using email addresses that are fake or something. I don't know. I can't quite figure it out. It's the weirdest thing ever. But if you haven't, I, I'm going to keep sending it out. Like I don't know who real, who's real and who's not, but it doesn't matter because I'm sending a newsletter to. I, I don't. I still don't get it. But if you haven't signed up for the newsletter this week, if you want to see a copy of the newsletter, there's a link to it at the newsletter sign up at theaverageguy.tv, or you can go to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter, and that will get you the most recent newsletter that's out there. And uh, this, I, I kind of talked about this problem this month, um, as well as, as well I talked about, for some reason, our video small RSS feed has exploded. And uh, typically I do, oh, let's just say we do a 1,000 audio downloads every single episode here with the Average TV or with Home Gadget Geeks. Um, Mike, I showed those numbers to you yesterday. We were seeing two and 3,000, right, downloads? Yeah, they were video. just massive. And the growth, especially from week to week even, was large. So yeah. Again, what benefit is it to somebody to like robot download a podcast? I don't, I don't get it. If they're maybe they're just trying to make me feel nice. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe someone's just saying, I, I want Jim to stop talking about these things. <laughs> so we're, we're gonna have you robot. Talk to your wife at all? Have you, have you asked her if she's <laughs> stop talking about it? Yeah. Uh, but the so the video. So I, I don't know. Maybe send me a note if you are using the video small feed for Home Gadget Geeks, and it's just Home Gadget Geeks. It's not like. It happened on Cyber Frontiers or anything else. It's just home gadget geeks. It's just video small. If that's a feed you're using, maybe give me a little ping. It'd just be interesting to know. Maybe you switched over to that when I provided it and you're downloading it to your phone and you're watching the video. It is a great way to do it. If you want to see all the subscription options that we have, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. That will get you everything or there's a subscribe link uh, on there as well. And you can see there's a billion different ways to do it. You know we're on TuneIn. There's a newsletter from back in January. I talked about all the various... Spreaker, Mixer, TuneIn, um, SoundCloud, MixCloud, uh, Shout Engine. We've got a whole bunch of different ways to listen to the show now to do it, and so I'm always interested in who's doing that. So give me some feedback on that, and if, if there's an area you want to hear it and we're not there, uh, let me know. I'll just to subscribe, and we'll get then uh, get in there as well. Just a reminder again, full set of, of the chat will be in the show notes for this show. So if you missed it and you want to go back and see what the chat room... By the way, thanks to those guys out in the chat room tonight. Good to see many of you. We want to wish you a, a happy Good Friday. I don't know if you, that's really the way you can say that, but it's a Good Friday here in the United States. That's an Easter is coming up on Sunday, and so a holiday weekend... <clears throat> excuse me, a holiday weekend for a lot of you. Uh, going into that, and we want to wish you, if you're here in the U.S. and you're celebrating Easter, a very a very happy Easter, and uh, we want to thank you for listening. We're live out here every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at TheAverageGuy.tv live. You can catch me 9.30 a.m. Central for Ask the Podcast Coach on Saturday mornings as well. 
I've also been doing some interviews. I've uh, been getting asked to do uh, more and more interviews. If you want to hear those, I have an interview section on the site. That's just kind of all the odd podcasts that I'm on. And if you want to see those or listen to those, they're all listed out there, as well as links to Home Service Show and uh, Surface Geeks and Ask Podcast Coach. All that stuff is out there on TheAverageGuy.tv. Great opportunity to do that. We want to again thank uh, thank Roger for uh, streaming us live out of WLMN Radio and uh, on our on our on our maiden voyage out on terrestrial radio. How do we do, Mike? How do we I do for great on radio? Yeah, I like it. Why don't we we'll have to ask him? And, the, and yeah. the, the great people in Grafton, West Virginia. Yeah, well, hey, well, if you're in Grafton, yeah, West Virginia. I was say that. Yeah. yeah, if you're in, we'd love to hear from you. First time you've heard the show, we'd love some feedback. You can send me, you know, jim at theaverageguy.tv or uh, Jay Collison on Twitter, or you can call in if you want to just pick up your phone, 402 Four seven eight eight four five zero gets you in the show. We'd love to have your feedback um, as well. If you're listening live, stay around for the post show. Again, I mentioned earlier we may start releasing post show in a channel for the most engaged listeners. But that being said, thanks for coming out, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>